This episode of the Outside Podcast is sponsored by Hydroflask, maker of beautifully designed insulated bottles, cups, and coolers, and a company that believes every adventure starts with two simple words, let's go. The good news is that there are so many ways to get out there and get on the road. Meet Shruthi. She and her husband, Peter, have been living and working in their Volkswagen van again since 2016. So welcome to the van. This is Blitz. Our travels have taken us to Mexico, Canada, and all over the United States. It's something that we've found that we need to thrive and really feel like we're living life to the fullest. Peter says that the first rule of van life is there are no rules. Don't overthink it. Just get the stuff that you think you'll need and get out there and try it. That approach can have them venturing onto dirt roads that get them to the open spaces thereafter. So we're in Southern California. A good thing to do is look at public lands or um, places where dispersed camping is allowed and then just go explore. After a day of driving, one of their favorite things to do is to get out their hydro flask tumblers and mix cocktails for happy hour. So we are making some margaritas. Margs have become kind of a staple until we run out of tequila. And then that's probably it. We usually do half a lime, a double shot of tequila, and then a single shot of Controy, and then ice. Hydroflask wants you to get out there and enjoy yourself, just like Shruti and Peter, which is why their vacuum-insulated tumblers are designed to keep your drinks at the perfect temperature, no matter how long your happy hour stretches on. Have a drink and enjoy the sunset, which is the real star of the show. Shop Hydroflask products for yourself or for the outdoor lovers on your holiday list this season at hydroflask.com. From Outside Magazine, this is the Outside Podcast. When you think of the products that have really transformed our relationship to the outdoors, some obvious candidates come to mind. Shocks for mountain bikes, fat shoes, and also minimalist shoes, shaped skis, and then rockered skis. Electric bikes sure feel like a big deal lately, right? And I have a friend who insists that sporks change the world. But there's an entirely different class of products that might be even more important. The ones that open up the outdoors to an entire group of people who've long been excluded from all the fun. For the second episode in our new Forces of Good series, outside producer Marin Larson brings us a story about some of the innovators and agitators who are demanding a rethink of how we design and market our gear. Allow me to introduce you to Raquel Velez, a woman who has created a very unique pair of pants. When there aren't even gear options available for someone of your size, and if you don't see people who look like you doing those activities, you just genuinely start to think, well, do they even want me here? Raquel is the founder of Alpine Parrot, a startup that has just begun selling hiking pants for plus-sized women. I'm in that group, and I want to make sure that we're being considered as we're exploring the world and and doing awesome things and shredding it and ripping it and all those other (laughs) destructive verbs that people use for all of these extreme sports that we do. Raquel calls her design the Ponderosa pants, and they are unlike anything else on the market. Which makes sense when you understand that she never had any intention of crafting outdoor apparel. 
Until recently, she made her living as an engineer. And I was in the, the tech world for about eight years. She also had virtually no experience with the outdoors. My family's from Puerto Rico, and I think a lot of people who have immigrant families or families of color, they have this similar perspective of the idea of sleeping outside on the ground voluntarily is not the definition of success. That's not what our parents have toiled for. And so, like, camping just seemed like a complete non-starter for me. Like, why would you do that? So when Raquel moved to the Bay Area with her husband in 2013, and he said he was going to learn to ski at nearby Lake Tahoe, she was far from enthusiastic. And I was like, that sounds like a terrible idea. And he was like, no, I'm going to go learn how to ski. And I was like, okay, fine. But if you die in the mountain, I won't know. So I should obviously go with you. We took a lesson and it completely changed my life. I absolutely fell in love with skiing to the point where I would have dreams of like flying down the mountain and like the wind on my face. And when you learn a new sport, you just kind of use whatever you've got available to you, right? So I learned to ski in a pair of sweatpants with a, a hoodie underneath a pair of rain pants and a raincoat. And I was like, okay, well, I should probably go ahead and invest in a pair of snow pants. And I went to my local outfitter and nothing fit, like nothing fit. And I'm a size 16, which literally the average American woman is a size 16 or 18. And I could not find a single thing that fit me properly. This wasn't a new experience for Raquel. In fact, she had come to loathe shopping for clothes and now was frustrated enough to do something about it. I was experiencing this moment that I think every every person has experienced, which is that I hated buying jeans. I just, I hated it. And I was like, this is the worst experience. But you know what? I have a degree in mechanical engineering. Surely this can't be that hard to make my own jeans. So I decided to take a sewing class. I learned how to make a pillow. And then like after that class, I like went up to the teacher and was like, cool, I'm going to go make jeans now. And she just looked at me like, um, good luck with that. (laughs) Armed with her new and perhaps overly confident sewing skills, Raquel decided to start making her own clothes. Jeans, yes, and then outdoor apparel. And here, she ran into a fundamental problem with the apparel industry. Patterns for clothes are typically created based on a small number of fit models. A few people of a specific size that a pattern maker considers representative of a customer. If you're designing products and you want to create larger sizes for a pattern, you essentially use math to scale up. But the further you go from the original model, the more likely you'll end up with a garment that is wildly off from what you need. If you don't fit that model, then you have to make a lot of adjustments. And I was just like, I don't have time for this. I don't have time to figure out what changes I need to be making. And so I was like, all right, I'm just going to make my own patterns. In the winter of 2019, Raquel enrolled in a pattern making course at a school just three blocks from her tech job. For her final project, she designed and presented to her class an eight-piece plus-size ski wear line. Afterwards, my teacher, she, she pulled me aside and she was like, you've got to do this. And I was like, you've got to be out of your mind. I'm, I work in tech. I, I do really well for myself. Everybody knows fashion is not the most lucrative thing. And she was just like, 
But you understand this market because you are the market. A few months later, I was in New Zealand and I was speaking at a tech conference and Afterwards, I was so tired. If you're paying attention, you know that being a woman of color in the tech industry is not exactly the easiest experience. And I was burnt out. And I just, I turned to my husband and I was like, I think I'm done with this. What if I, what if I just quit and made pants? And he looked at me and he was like, okay. <laughs> Raquel went for it. So my last day at my tech job was in February, 2020. And I went full time <laughs> uh, onto Alpine Parrot. And then six weeks later, the entire world shut down. Um, super great timing. Though ski apparel had been her original dream for her nascent business, Raquel quickly realized that she would be better off starting with a product that's much higher in demand and which is much easier to produce. When you think about the economics of what is the first thing you should make, ski pants are really expensive and the ski community is actually pretty small. But then on the flip side, the hiking community is really big and making hiking pants is comparatively much, much easier and cheaper. So that's why that's where we're starting with hiking pants as compared to, to ski pants. But trust, ski pants are 100% on the list of things that I'm going to be making. <laughs> as a plus-size person herself, Raquel began by making her dream pair of hiking pants a pattern that fit in the waist and in the hips. Material that had stretch, but also stood up to abrasion. Pockets that could actually hold a whole cell phone. And an embedded belt, so she could tweak the fit as her body fluctuated. I did that for myself, but then knowing that kind of one of the big issues with how apparel is currently made is that there's this idea of just like, okay, we'll make it good for one person, and then we'll just automate the rest of it. We'll just use some clever math and engineering and it should be good enough for everybody and we'll just kind of move on. I I feel like that's a premise that is broken inherently. And so I started with myself because there was a pandemic that had literally just started. I was like, okay, I'm going to make the fit pretty good. Then I'm going to go ahead and make all the other sizes and then I'm going to test it on more people. I made sizes 14 to 24 and I put them on 10 people. And in that first round of 10, I realized that honestly, not everybody's shaped like me. <laughs> Shocker. There's my body type, a smaller up top than a bigger down bottom. Some people may call that like a pear shape at Alpine Parrot. We don't really care to compare ourselves to fruit. We like to compare ourselves to forces of nature. So I'm a mountain shape. But then I, I found other people who are what I'm going to call the river shape, where there's a little bit more goodness happening in the belly area um, and maybe less going on in the booty area. After getting feedback from her 10 fit models, Raquel made big changes in her designs and then started all over. My second round of testing, I actually had the two fit styles, mountain and river, again, sizes 14 to 24 to start. And I put them on 30 people. And then, you know, started asking around and people were like, I love them. <laughs> and I was like, cool, I guess it's time to make them now. With the help of word of mouth marketing from her crew of fit testers, Raquel took her pants to the people with a Kickstarter campaign in April of this year. And that was terrifying, but I set a goal of $10,000. And by the end of the month, 
I had raised $60,000, which is amazing. And that was kind of a huge opportunity for me to really say, we're here. This is not just some side project. We're really making pants, y'all. Raquel had a proof of concept, not only for her pants design, but for her idea that there is really a market for plus-sized outdoor apparel. The outdoor industry has systematically excluded people of size. Two-thirds of American women are a size 14 and up, and yet less than 10% of clothes, outdoor apparel, is available in sizes 14 and up. Like, hello, there's a huge economic opportunity here. Soon after her first round of pre-orders shipped, the stories from Alpine Parrot customers began to roll in. There's one person who was telling me that during the pandemic, her body had changed. And as things were starting to open up again, she was ready to go outside, but needed new clothes and, and went to her local outfitter and nothing fit. And she was just absolutely devastated. But by the time she got home, her Alpine Parrot pants had arrived and they fit her perfectly. And she was just like, oh my God. You know, she was crying at the store because nothing fit. But then she was crying happy tears when things did fit. And she was like, I get to go outside comfortably and safely and feel good about myself and just be in the place that gives me peace. It's stories like that that just... It, it makes the hard days worth it. I mean, it's like a gift from the heavens, honestly, when you finally have pants that actually were made for your body. Like, your confidence soars. Now, Raquel is determined to bring that confidence to as many people as she can. She's growing her team with a part-time employee and a contractor and looking for new investors. She's also dreaming big. Someday, she hopes, Alpine Parrot could be the size of Patagonia. We're going to be adding shorts and flannel shirts and jackets and ski wear. And I'm not an angler myself, but I have a lot of friends who love to, to go fly fishing. And they're like, I need waders. And I'm like, OK, let me, let me put it on the list. I want to be able to cover every single outdoor activity that people currently love and enjoy and want to bring their friends into as well. Oh, and about that name, Raquel, what's an alpine parrot? When we think of parrots, we think of these jaunty, colorful birds that hang out on beaches and all of that stuff. But kia, or alpine parrots, they actually play in the snow. And they're really smart and super social, very friendly, despite their very olive green exterior. When they fly, they have these beautiful rainbow underwings that just take your breath away. And when I think about the, the people that I'm trying to serve with my company, I think about all of these stereotypes that are stacked up against us. You know, bigger people don't enjoy extreme sports. And, and the reality is that when, when people like me are outside in their elements, we really and truly shine, just like the way an alpine parrot flies in its element. The Kia is just one of the raddest birds you've ever seen. Raquel and her rad bird company are on a mission to get more people of all sizes and backgrounds into the outdoors. When we come back, we'll talk to two more rad women working towards that same goal. At the top of the episode, we joined van lifers Shruti and Peter for happy hour margaritas served in Hydroflask's vacuum-insulated outdoor tumblers. But now, it's dinner time. Shruti generally 
is the chef. I am the sous chef because she is much better. Your favorite's eating. <laughs> so uh, what are we making? Tonight we're making sweet potato tacos. So we got our sweet potatoes, red onion, some limes, avocados, of course, cause gotta make some guacamole, red cabbage for a super simple slaw that we're gonna make. Hydro Flask has partnered with Shruti and Peter and other inspiring outdoor lovers to create a new video series called How We Go that has them sharing tips to help people of all skill levels get more out of their favorite adventurous activities. So one thing that's super important is to make sure that the stuff that we do carry around with us is gonna last, do the job, and is also multi-purpose. Hydra Flask's outdoor kitchen line includes durable and beautiful insulated plates, bowls, and tumblers that make cooking and storing your leftovers a breeze. Leftovers are your best friend. The best part about having the right gear is that it lets you focus on the important things. Peace and quiet, out in nature. Well, that and, uh... Tacos, tacos, tacos. I love tacos. Tacos. <laughs> to watch episodes of How We Go, on everything from trail running and yoga to fly fishing and bouldering, follow Hydra Flask on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. I'm Shruti. And I'm Peter. And, and this, this is, is How We Go. go. In March of this year, the bicycling component brand Shimano released what's known in the outdoor industry as a stoke film. These films tend to be on the shorter side and usually have high-energy music playing while athletes do all the fun things we wish we were doing outside instead of sitting at our desks and staring at our phones. I feel like a real mountain biker. But this stoke film was a bit different. (laughs) I'm Kaylee Kornhauser. I'm a PhD student at Oregon State University. I ride bikes. and I'm fat. (laughs) Those are some facts about me. Kaylee is also the co-founder of All Bodies on Bikes, an organization that works to get more plus-size people out on bikes and to get bike companies and the larger cycling community to be more inclusive of plus-size riders. She and her co-founder, Marley Blonsky, do this through a variety of workshops that seek to both shift the culture of cycling and to make the case that there's an untapped market of riders who are ready to roll. The fact that one of the biggest brands in the space made a Stoke film about them suggests that it's working, which, when you hear their personal stories, sure gets you excited about the plus-sized future of the sport. Like a lot of kids, both Kaylee and Marley biked all the time when they were young, Kaylee in suburban Chicago, and Marley outside Dallas-Fort Worth in Texas. But as they became teenagers and entered college, they stopped. Kaylee only returned to riding out of necessity when she was in college in her early 20s. I couldn't afford a car, and I needed to get to school and work and the grocery store. And so I got a, a cheap bike, and I started riding around, you know, just as a commuter for utility's sake. And I didn't love it. It was kind of just a necessity. But I started becoming friends with people, young adults who rode bikes for fun. And I had never really met any adults who rode bikes for fun. They looked really cool. They seemed to be having a great time. And I was like, wow, that's cool. I want to join in. Similarly, Marley was working as a product analyst in Seattle when she returned to biking as a commuter though she was also looking for new social connection after going through a rough divorce. And was kind of lost just in terms of who I was, who my friend circle was. I just kind of 
having like an identity crisis. But I was living about three miles from work and the bus ride took about 45 minutes. And I was like, there has got to be a better way. And I would see like all these cool, I guess you would call them hipsters, riding back and forth. And I was like, uh, A, I want to do that. B, I want to be friends with them. Fairly quickly, Marley got into more serious biking and discovered the limits of the equipment available. I got introduced to bike camping and bike packing and gravel riding, and I utterly destroyed that road bike. Like, <laughs> taking this, like, tiny aluminum 23-millimeter tire bike just on these, like, epic rides. I was just, like, breaking spokes and breaking wheels and, like, breaking all sorts of things. And so, you know, eventually got a bike that could hold my weight and could withstand the adventures that I was taking it on. Marley began blogging about her trips and then posting about them on Instagram, which is where she discovered Kaylee, who was chronicling her own two-wheeled journeys. This included a 2018 summer ride across Alaska that was part of a scholarship program run by elite endurance biker Lael Wilcox. Those images caught Marley's attention. And that was like the first time that I had seen another person who looked like me doing the kind of bike riding that I was doing. So I think I slid into your DMs and was like, I want to be friends. Yeah, it was perfect timing. That year, maybe the year before, was the first time I had started writing about the experience of being a fat person who rides a bike and what it means and what it feels like. Marley and Kaylee planned their first workshop on size inclusion in cycling without ever meeting in person. After its success, they put on a virtual version of the workshop at the March 2020 League of American Bicyclists Summit. Their work began to garner national press attention, leading to the Shimano film and formal launch of the organization in March 2021. Today, All Bodies on Bikes is Marley's full-time job, and together they put on workshops for three different audiences, bike brands, community groups that want to know how to include different riders, and plus-size people who are interested in saddling up. So we've got one for the bike industry, and it's more of like a consulting training type mentality where we go through some of the foundational work of size inclusion. We talk about the need for larger clothing, stronger bicycles, and how brands can be more size inclusive. And then on the other side, we work with like community groups and cycling clubs or Girl Scout troops, any group that really wants to make their space or their um, community more inclusive. We also have a workshop specifically for people in larger bodies who are hoping to get into cycling or get back into it and need help finding the right bicycles that are going to work and clothing that's going to work and, you know, riding tips and techniques that are going to feel good. This last category may be the most important. As Marley explains, so many people, just like her and Kaylee, rode when they were kids and then gave it up as they got older. And it's almost like they need permission from us, and they totally don't. But it's kind of this mindset of, like, once they see me and Kaylee on a bike, they're like, oh, I could do that too. But in order for people of size to get out there safely, they need the right equipment. Plus-size bike clothes are easy for people to wrap their heads around. But plus-size bikes? As Kaylee says, it's not something she even realized she'd need until she'd been back into bike riding for years. Biking is an activity that requires a physical piece of machinery, really, and it's a weight-bearing item. So bikes have weight limits, many of them. I didn't know about bicycle weight limits until 
I already owned a number of bikes and exceeded the weight limits on more than one of them, and I had ridden thousands of miles of gravel on bikes that I exceeded the weight limit of. And that's, that's a huge safety concern and something that we haven't really talked about as a sport. There are some bikes out there with higher weight limits, but they are few, and they have been even harder to find in the midst of the ongoing bike shortage that started during the pandemic. Thankfully, for most people in larger bodies, there are like changes you can make to existing bicycles, whether that's like a 90s mountain bike, which most of them are steel and steel is super strong. So it's like, you know, let's build you a stronger set of wheels. Let's get you some stronger components. And like most of the time that will do the trick. The bike industry is beginning to pay attention. Marley is now sponsored by CompetitiveCyclist.com and is a brand ambassador for five different brands, including Shimano and cycling apparel maker Pearl Izumi. But she and Kaylee know that for plus-size riders to truly feel welcome, the culture of the sport needs to change. A thing that happens a lot to people in larger bodies in outdoor recreation spaces is that they receive comments from other people that are maybe intended as compliments but are not received that way. On a bike, that could look like, you know, you're on a ride with friends and you're headed up a a steep hill and another cyclist you don't know comes up behind you, they're going faster and they pass you and they say, you've got this or you can do it or way to get out there. They intend it as a word of encouragement, but the way it's received by me at least is that they've identified that I don't look like what they think a cyclist looks like. And so they felt that they needed to offer me a word of encouragement as a person who is a cyclist, rather than saying something like, we've got this, or isn't it a nice day out, or, you know, something that pulls me into the the cycling community rather than calling me out for looking different. I think we've, as a culture, started to realize, like, telling plus-size people, like, you're so confident for wearing that outfit isn't the compliment we think it is, you know? (laughs) And changing the idea of who does these sports and what that person looks like is a long project. Kaylee and Marley are both very aware that despite the challenges they've faced, there are riders out there who have met with a lot more resistance. We're both like white, cisgendered, femme, small, fat women. Like there's a lot of other people out there who we want to like pass the mic to and get their stories told. There's a lot of people who are larger than us or have darker skin than us or are indigenous or whatever it might be that aren't getting the same privileges that me and Kaylee are. Recently, All Bodies on Bikes has expanded from workshops to offering group rides, which give Marley and Kaylee a chance to put the theories they've been teaching into practice. Basically, anytime Kaylee or I travel to another city, we're trying to work with the local bike community to do inclusive social no-drop rides. No-drop. In short, rides where no cyclist is left behind. If somebody goes to an all-bodies-on-bikes ride, we want to make sure that they have a good experience, that they are not dropped off the back of the ride, because that's what happens all the time at group bike rides, is you show up and you get told it's no-drop, it's inclusive, and then you're slower than everybody else and you get left behind. And we want to be super, super intentional But that does not happen. In their group rides, Marley and Kaylee do everything they can to create a welcoming environment. If you're a cyclist who organizes or participates in group rides, even if they're just with you and your friends, you can implement these practices too. For starters, over-communicate. Being 
very deliberate and transparent in your communication about what a bike ride looks like or what a hike is going to look like in terms of distance and pace and are we going to end up at the same place we started what clothes should i bring do i need to bring snacks like really communicating every detail is how we invite people to come to our spaces that might otherwise feel excluded or too nervous to join us. Also, don't jump to conclusions about anyone. When people show up for the ride, not assuming a skill level based on the type of bike that they brought, the clothes that they're wearing, the speed that they're biking, just, you know, treating everyone with respect and not making assumptions about people when they show up. And once the ride begins, don't go off book. Being intentional about the pace that you're going to go at and sticking to that. So if you say our group ride is 12 miles an hour, making sure that you stick to that the entire time. If you're going uphill, regrouping at the top of the hill and actually letting people catch their breath, especially the folks at the back of the group who take longer to get up the hill. Finally, Marley says, give everyone in the group a chance to connect because it was the community that ultimately got both of them into the sport. At the beginning of all my rides, I love to start out with, hey, What's your name? What pronouns do you use? And then like, <laughs> maybe it's the middle school teacher and me, but some sort of icebreaker. And then people automatically have something to talk to each other about. Cycling has been a powerful force in both Kaylee and Marley's lives. And through All Bodies on Bikes, they've been able to share it with as many people as possible. For me, it's about feeling empowered through joyful movement. And that is a message I want to share because it was really a revolutionary idea for me to encounter at a really hard point in my life. The coolest thing for us is like connecting with other folks in large bodies who are telling us like this is the first time they're going to get back on a bike or first time they're ever getting on a bike. We've had people join us on group rides who have been off a bike for 30 years and felt like they just didn't see anybody out there that they were comfortable riding with, and now they feel like there is that community. Like, that is just profound. You can follow Kaylee Kornhauser and Marley Blonsky's work on Instagram. They're All Bodies on Bikes. And you can watch the All Bodies on Bikes film from Shimano on YouTube. Raquel Velez's company is Alpine Parrot. You can order their plus-sized Ponderosa pant at alpineparrot.com. This episode was written and produced by Marin Larson and edited by me, Michael Roberts. Music by Robbie Carver. This episode was brought to you by Hydroflask, maker of beautifully designed insulated bottles, cups, and coolers, and a company that believes that every adventure starts with two simple words. Let's go. Shop Hydroflask products for yourself or the outdoor lovers on your holiday list this season at hydroflask.com. The Outside Podcast is made possible by the support of our Outside Plus members. Learn more and join at outsideonline.com slash outsideplus. Outside Podcast listeners get 25% off an Outside Plus membership with the coupon code OUTSIDEPOD. That's OUTSIDEPOD, all lowercase.